what is up everybody good afternoon everybody welcome to today's episode of midday monster with adam and we are talking about our story making sure everything is set early <laughs> i have this thing when i go live on facebook and i use like all the things like a different camera and everything it makes me like have to set it from private to like open to public but um anyways it's all set here it goes um i'm just saying that i did that earlier so um yeah all right so let's get started we're gonna be talking about uh our stories we were talking about our story this week on how the power of the vulnerability in the story is powerful for the person that's reading how they could learn from the experience and how you could connect with them and show them that you were them or that they are you and how you just connect on that level of being with them um you know what my little sister told me that she wanted me to let her know that she was when i was on at andrea there we go hold on one second um and so yeah so we're talking about um our story and how that helps and then today i thought it would be a great example for me to share my true authentic story with you guys on how powerful it could be whether it's from me being a brother and to a sister or a brother to three other brothers or to a gay son to a mom or to a dad whether it's like you know from a big mexican family you know whether whatever story aspect that i give you you know a man, gay man going up with hiv um a chef uh making it on his own uh, a coach making his own business me doing my life whatever aspect of the story that it is um that's what's going to relate to you like not the whole story but whatever comes through to you in this story is what's meant for you so it's like the whole idea of like you know take what applies and just leave the rest um i'm on anyways all right cool so who's on tell me who's on one person just watching two people we got two people fuck yeah all right so sit down relax this is gonna be my story. All right, so my name is Adam Martinez. Adam Arnulfo Martinez. I was told that I was named after my grandpa. Um, I come from one of those big Mexican families where there's like so many people you can't even count. And then those families splintered off into so many people you can't even count. So um, I'm one of those families, from one of those families. And then so I have three older brothers and one little sister. And my mom and dad were together until I was like 15. Um, so like there i might like jump around a little bit but um it all matters and i might uh rename some people because that that matters um and then some details don't really matter but the story behind the story matters <sighs> i'm nervous all right so everything was hunky dory so i was like six like six years old um was when the first traumatic event happened um I was in the second grade and I was at a family event and I got ran over by a car. Um, my two cousins wanted me to go across the street to call my brother so we could play hide and go seek. And they had told, they told me that they would watch me cross the street so I could go call him. Um, which uh, we lived right across the street from my aunt at the time. And uh, I crossed the street and I looked to my left and all of a sudden I see a car like in the car like hits me. And I remember like getting hit by the car and going underneath it and seeing like the undercarriage of the car like go over me and thinking like, wow, I'm underneath the car. 
and then the next thing I know, I look towards here and I see the tire coming and then like lights out, you know, and, um, and I remember waking up. I remember somebody telling me like, well, this is the weird part of the story. I remember like, Hey, wake up, wake up, Adam, we need you to wake up and, uh, come on, Adam, wake up, wake up, you know? And then I remember like waking up, right. And the ambulance thing and getting put in the ambulance and stuff like that. And basically I got sent to the hospital. It was about two weeks or so before my seventh birthday. And uh, I ended up getting out, and um, but I ended up surviving. I had a broken pelvis, and a, um, this weird bump in my chest got moved with my ribs, and I broke my arm, and um, I have like this weird bump on the back of my head right here, uh, and because uh, I guess like my head, like my skull, like scratched on the asphalt, and that's when like the calcium washes over your bone to like put hard in it and make more bone, like when your arm, when your bone breaks. Um, so that's what that was and I had like st I remember having like staples right here and uh so yeah so I survived that and um I didn't go to school for a while um and my bed was in the living room and I remember one time like I, I wanted to get the crayons off the top of the refrigerator and nobody was around to help me get them and I remember scooting myself off to the side of the bed and stand because I couldn't I didn't remember how to walk I could I had to relearn how to walk because uh, I guess my feet and stuff like weren't responsive in the right way that they should have um, <clears throat> and so I had to teach myself at all I remember getting off the side of the bed and scooting over and standing up on my own and then um, I remember I was so excited that I stood up on my own with nobody's help because I was already going to physical therapy for that and I remember I was like standing up on my own and I remember I took like three steps and I got so excited that I stopped because I got excited and um, I went back to the bed and when my mom woke up I remember I was so excited to show her that I got up and moved on my own with nobody helping me and little by little it was because I wanted those crayons I wanted those freaking crayons on top of the refrigerator that I moved and kept on trying to teach, teach myself how to walk again um, or start walking again and then whatnot and so that happened and yeah so like moving on into the story you know I was a cool little kid and not a closed dorky little kid um, in second grade and I think that's um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a gay man um, and that's when my first experience was in second grade with you know one of the cool popular kids in class you know and he um, me and him would like hang out all the time you know after class and stuff and you know it was curiosity kid stuff but I, di I didn't know what it was called I didn't know what it was called and I thought it was okay and there was no shame around it yet um, until the name faggot and 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 hoto and things like that were were called and associated with liking other boys or liking a certain color or you know speaking in a certain way or having your hand in a certain way like all that stuff was made fun of and I started to learn that that was bad like like any kind of sign of things like that were bad and were considered gay and gay was a bad term and I still didn't know what liking a boy was I just knew that anything that kind of resembled that was bad and that it should be put away and so those were like as those little instances happened I like to explain it as like those are those little steps back into the closet that we say that we come out of when we tell other people that we're gay you know those little things of, of learning that being that way is bad from society or the people around us um, 
that's what puts us back in the that's what puts us in the closet that's what makes us take steps step that is what makes us i feel take steps back into the closet and hide ourselves and that's what coming out of the closet is it's like fuck it i'm coming out of the closet i don't give a shit what anybody says anyways so those little things happen and um yeah i was a good little kid like i wasn't i was like i was a good little kid i didn't have any like those childhood trauma things like yeah um my dad and my mom spanked us only when we deserved it you know and one or two times it was a little bit too much but you know like that's our perspective as we were kids we didn't know what we were doing um and just um yeah like i had a few things that just that i was i can't say anything bad about my childhood because i got everything that i wanted really super nintendo new tv you know looking back you know like oh we could say we didn't i didn't get all the cool micro machines and things like that that i wanted but um i didn't i don't remember needing things that i really needed and wasn't ashamed that i didn't have um so um and so like so like moving on into like probably like my preteen years like me and my mom were really great like i love going everywhere with my mom um i did a lot of things i would always go to town with her which was like to the grocery stores and getting on the groceries for the house and she would give me the little coupons for what she needed so i could go play supermarket sweep and like get all the grocery items for her um and just like that was really cool those were my memories with my mom and i felt like that always bonded us we always went to like like um the cool little restaurants like winter essentials and stuff like that and we had ourselves like little treat snacks and stuff with each other like that's what i love those were me like we feed the pigeons and stuff and like those were my moments with my mom and then um just coming up into like my teenage years um me and my mom were in a car accident where uh, we were on our way to go see my dad and grab uh, something from there and this car just came speeding and just like rammed our astro van from the back you could look that up of chevy astro van those things are fucking tanks um <coughs> rammed that astro van from the back and the van like tipped up on its front bumper spun around and ended up facing the other direction i ended up in and that was in the front seat and i ended up in the back back seat all the way in the back back seat how fucking crazy is that like how does it have to spin for me to end up all the way back there anyways i got this like little scar on my eye up here um my mom was okay she hurt her wrist like all the windows were blown out and i remember like the fireman saying that you know like you know that like how do they not like fly out of the car you know and so <clears throat> so like that happened i felt like that's something that bonded me and my mom and then um the next big event that came up was um was me coming out of the closet uh that was a big thing that was a big big thing because uh my mom and dad were divorcing at the same time and at that time the only time the only way that me and my mom could communicate was through writing letters to each other that was the only way that i felt comfortable to talk to my mom where she was i felt where she had to listen to me because she had to read it and she couldn't respond back to me but um like that's how i felt like that's how i felt like you know it was um going to be like that and then she would write me letters back to telling me that she loved me and explaining some of the things and you know just felt like how i felt like ignored and stuff like that at the same time what was going on um was i had started um coinciding what was going on like that i started doing drugs at a young age um i started doing um like crystal meth and smoking weed at a very young age like before i was 13 years old 
and that had a big effect on me um and it kind of like stunted my ability to like it didn't stunt my ability because here i am mature enough to admit it and be here and share my story with you guys um but it was just like um it was something that was going on that added to just the chaos of what was what was there uh and there's more stories into that but that's just just remember that that's playing on at the same time um you know and just those emotion emotions of drug withdrawal and up and the ups and down as a as a young teen and just feeling these feelings of not being in an identity that you're comfortable with and just uh, uh, not knowing who to talk to like about it because your own person that you were connected to is going through their own stuff which was my mom i felt and just uh it was just it was, it was just amazing to where it got funneled into I felt like I needed to tell my mom as a cry for help. Look, mom, this is who I am. Not so much as the drug part, because I was having fun with that, but the fact that I'm gay and I need to tell you because I feel like I'm lying to you. I, I'm gay and I want you to know because I feel like this will help us connect because I need you to connect to me. These are my feelings. My, like, this is my feelings. This is, as an older adult, I realized that those were the feelings that I was feeling. So, um, like I said, we wrote letters to each other. So here comes my 15th birthday, and nothing was really planned. And I, that kind of had an effect on me, because, you know, girls on their 15th birthday get quinceañeras. And I joked around that I wanted a quinceañero, but um, th there was nothing really big done. Hey, calm down. There was nothing really big done. Um, I, I remember we went to another friend's quinceañera, a girl from down the street. So anyways, that night, uh, I had a letter from my mom telling her that I was gay. Oh, there was a little poem. I'm, I want her to find it. She's cleaning her room and getting things remodeled right now. So I'm hoping she comes across it and finds it because I love to. Oh, love to read it to you guys. Um, but uh, I told her, I wrote her a little poem telling her that I'm gay and that not really I'm bisexual, but like because I didn't know, I still didn't know, but now I'm gay. Mom, I'm gay. But um, that's how it was, and I remember like. I was like, Mom, I need to talk to you. She's like, no. And then I'm like, well, there's something on your desk that I want you to read. And she's like, okay, fine. Because we were in argument. Like, we, I did something stupid. Oh, she caught me smoking weed. She had caught me smoking weed on the side of the house or something like that, right? Um, a few days before. That's why we didn't really do anything on uh, my birthday because she was still mad at me. Um, I remember right now because she caught me and my brother smoking weed, my brother Andrew. Um, and her and my dad were still mad at us and um, or upset at us. And then so she didn't want to talk to me still. And then so I left her the letter. And then um, I go to bed. And I go to bed and I'm like there. And then like I could hear my mom go into the room that I put the letter on on her computer desk. And uh, I hear her opening it. And then I hear like, you know, the gasp. And then I hear her walk from that room into my dad's room where the their bedroom. And where my dad's already asleep. And I hear Joe, Joe. And I hear like the, like the slap on his back. Like that, like, like, wake up, like the slapping on his back, like it was like so wow, and um, and then I hear, and then like the time span of what it takes for my dad to read something, right? And then my dad gets up and um, he comes into my room and I turn over facing the wall, and um, he's like, "Son, are you awake?" And like he just sound like that, but you know, my dad, like older man did, and I just like, <sighs> and then and he's like, I could, I could feel. 
him nod his head because the, the vibration of him nodding his head shook the bed. That's how big my dad is. Like a man is right there. The weight of a man is sitting on my bed. And here I am like so fragile and vulnerable of exposing myself, waiting to be one of those stories where the kid gets kicked out at that moment on the street and not knowing what to fucking do. Like here I am already having a drug issue and there I am. The next thing is what I need is to get kicked out on the street. And then my dad says, next, did you write that to your mom? And my reply is, <laughs> and then I feel that vibration of the bed shake as he nods his head. And then he goes, well, son, I just want you to know that it's okay. We'll talk about it tomorrow, okay? And then I just like started crying. I started crying and then he like um, just like rubbed my back and stuff. And then he got up. He's like, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And then um, he went back to bed, right? And I, went, and I went to bed. I know, I remember I went to bed. So later on the next day, he comes home and he like, grabs himself a beer and a cigarette. And he's like, son, come outside. And so I'm like, all right, dad. And so I go outside. <laughs> and um, he goes, you know, I want to talk to you about last night. And um, the other, the other uh, and the few days before that, when we got caught smoking weed, and I don't know where my brother Andrew was at. I don't know why he wasn't there in that conversation. Um, but he goes, "You see these two things," and he said, and showed me the cigarette and the beer. He's like, "I don't buy these unless I know you guys have food in the refrigerator, the bills are paid, the lights on, the house is paid for, and you guys have everything you need." I don't, I don't have, I don't buy these until all my responsibilities are taken care of. If they're not taken care of, I don't, he's like, these are my habit. If I don't have the money to pay for my habit, guess what? I don't have the habit. But unless my priorities are paid for, guess what? I get to pay for my habit. You know, so I'm like, all right, he's like, so this is what I'm telling you. Don't have a habit you can't afford. You understand that? And I was like, yes, dad. And then so he's like, so about you being gay. <laughs> he didn't say about you being gay, but he was like, about you and your situation. He's like, He's like, son, I want my son to be happy. Whatever makes my son happy, I'm happy. And then he, um, he goes, but I want to tell you one thing, son. He said, if you're going to live that kind of lifestyle, I want you to know one thing. He's like, you're going to need money. He goes, because when you have money, nobody could tell you what to do. And that kind of like put me in, not like a money scarcity kind of idea, but just like, a kind of like abrasement of like that this kind of lifestyle could be difficult and be weary you know well back then at that time probably what we were experiencing at what in 2001 of what was going on at that time yeah like, like a lot of shit was going on for gay people at the time um so of course my dad was going to be scared of course my mom was scared like but i think my mom was like more weird about it than my dad but also, I think my dad also had a friend that, um, I found out later on that my dad has had a close friend who him and his son had the same experience. And um, the dad, his friend, kind of like kicked his son to the side and realized that he doesn't want that same thing with his son if that were to ever happen. Because you know, you know, they knew this little homo was a gay way, way, way before I was 15. So, um, whew, they hang around 19 minutes already. That's a long story. So, okay, so 15 years old, um, gay, coming out of the closet, and 
um, me and my mom stopped talking from that point. We we stopped talking for a while. Like like the conversation between us, like man, it like stopped. Like so that you imagine like going from from going with your mom everywhere to the grocery store all the fucking time, all the time going with your mom everywhere to that just like stopping. And like it, it was like I just lost my I didn't like I lost my friend like I lost the person that I did everything with. And then, um, at the, at the growing time, like, me and my brother are also doing drugs and stuff like that, and let me give you, like, a kind of, like, backstory of what the brother thing is, is, like, my brother Andrew is my brother, and then my two older brothers, their brothers, like, same mom and dad, of course, but what I mean, like, their brothers is, like, they're partner brothers, they do, they do everything with each other, and me and my brother Andrew, we're partner brothers, and we did everything with each other, including drugs. Um, you know, not that uh, the other two partner brothers did that with each other. No, they didn't do that. This is me and Andrew getting into our own fucking mischief. And, um, you know, and it was just like, I wanted to do everything that my brother did. Like, I loved my brother. And, uh, you know, so there was that thing of, like, ride or die. I defended him. I covered up for him. I, I, like, lied for him to my mom all the time. And, you know, I lied to my mom because why not lie to her? She wasn't in with me anymore (laughs) you know she was always mad at me for some reason um that went on for a while and then just uh and then I just started to stop I just stopped like I stopped doing so much drugs and I just liked I realized I like smoking weed more and drinking and um so I became a pothead and uh I was just smoking weed and I started working I got my first job and um, during that time, like, I got reacquainted with my best friend, Rosa. Like, it was years, like, my best friend from high school, Rosa, like, it was awesome. We used to ride the bus on the, we used to ride with each other on the bus all the time. Um, but we got reacquainted and we started our friendship anew again, like, and now we're, like, best friends and she's my ride or die. And, uh, just going into it more, it's just, like, um, I started like doing my own thing and gathering my own stuff and acquiring like you know the things that you get when you you know have that first job you know the DVD player the new TV the stereo the surround sound system you know all those cool things the hidden stash of money somewhere and so like um so one night I have all that stuff in my room right and uh I come home um over time my brother got kicked out and he got out on the streets and he lost all kinds of stuff for him on his own. That's his own story. Um, but uh, one night I come home from work and I would lock my door and uh, come home from work and I open my door and the window was broken and my TV was missing and my DVD player was missing and luckily my little stash, my little hidden stash of money wasn't missing. But you know the things that I acquired for myself were missing and uh, I knew right away it was my brother. I knew it was him. And I was getting into the woo-woo at that time. In high school, I started doing tarot cards and stuff. That's another part of the story, too. Um, uh, I was really into my woo-woo at the time, like my spiritual self and whatnot. And like I remember getting so angry at that moment that I remember feeling like all my whole like negative energy that I could conjure up in my body and just like sending it out into the universe for it to find him and catch him and just... Bam, just like obliterate him because I felt betrayed. I felt um, backstabbed. I felt attacked. I felt abandoned. I felt like, like, who was this person that did this to me? You were my brother. Like, how could you do that to me? And so, like, yeah, I felt this like surge of like just 
like energy pulse that just going out to find him and just take him out a few days later we find out that he got picked up by the cops and uh for something stupid and got sent to jail prison and all that and was sent away for like almost like 13 years because <laughs> uh, just that's his just, just never had the turnaround that he wanted and i always felt responsible for that um, I still do. Um, I even told him about that one time uh, to try to like release myself from that grab so he could forgive me for it. Um, and he did and he, and stuff, but um, but I still feel kind of like responsible for that. Uh, but yeah, so um, so yeah, so going on like, in the years, like I ended up just like you know like going from like fast food to fast food place i had no idea that i wanted to be a chef i would know i wanted to go out into cooking school like um in uh in high school but i couldn't do that and like my mom wouldn't support me going to arizona to go to a cooking school and so i just had little fast food jobs and i got turned on to massage therapy um from a few friends and i did massage therapy and i was really good at that and i had my own practice for a few years and then um I wanted to stop doing that and get back into cooking because that's what I was doing in my spare time in between clients was cooking at home because I had a lot of time in between clients because I was making good money that I didn't have to take so many clients and so I in spare time I developed cooking and I got a job at as a breakfast chef at IHOP and then that led to running into an old roommate that got me a job at this restaurant called Palm Greens Cafe as a dishwasher and I just loved the way they did food there. And it was a vegan and vegetarian restaurant, but they made everything from scratch. And they used ingredients. They used fresh stuff. They made stuff. And um, that's what turned me on to it. And from there to pass up a few years, like I went from being the dishwasher all the way up to the head chef, creating menus and recipes and stuff like that. And then uh, at the same time, I had this goal that I wanted to move to. I wanted to move out of the valley where I'm from by the time I was 25. And uh, and that opportunity came up from a client, massage client that I had. Uh, he said that he had a spare room in San Diego and it's up for, for me if I ever wanted it. Because uh, you know, I was telling him how much I wanted to like leave and stuff like that. And, uh, and yeah, and so I took it and I moved to San Diego. And while I was in San Diego, uh, you know, you know what? I'm just totally fucking jumping around. I forget this part of the story, though, because it's, like, really, really important. So, when I, right before I started working for the restaurant, uh, the vegan restaurant, uh, I was with somebody. And um, me and him, we were together for about a year and a half. And, <sighs> fuck. This is, ah, uh, this is a good one. So we were together for about a year and a half. Let's just call him Larry. Um, <clears throat> and it was cool. He was like really cool and really like spontaneous and fun and active and really like, you know, he was kind of annoying, but it was cute and just like he had a you know, nice booty. But, you know, it was really cool. He was really nice and I felt comfortable with him. And, um, he was one of the reasons why I started wanting to pursue cooking more because I was cooking a lot for him and stuff. And uh, and so I introduced him one time to a bunch of friends and stuff like that. And uh, 
a few days later or a few weeks later i ran into a few more of those friends you know without him and one of them brought me along to the side and he's like he's like hey i need to let you know something about uh larry and um he let me know and i was just like what and i couldn't believe it i was like really and I, I was just like shocked like all the details were like too exact and spot on to not be real and um so i had to literally like drive from where i heard that information across town like a 40 minute drive freeway and all to get to go pick up larry from work and um that whole time i was thinking of like how i'm gonna confront him about this and so i finally get to where i'm supposed to pick him up he's like what's wrong i'm like just don't talk to me right now I'm thinking, and uh, he's like, trying to be all over me. He's like, he's like, babe, what's wrong? I'm like, just stop. Don't, don't touch me either. I'm just really upset. He's like, okay. So we get to our house. We had a house. We had we're renting a house with somebody, and um, we. Uh, he gets out. I'm like, I'll be inside right now. And I call back up my homie, and I was like, hey, um, tell me again uh, that information. I just want to make sure I know what it was that it, that that I say what I'm gonna say correctly. And uh, he's like, yeah. So he goes, we go over it again. And then so I finally go inside and I go straight up to Larry and I go, hey, um, is it true that you're HIV positive? And uh, his jaw just drops. And he's like, how do you know? I'm like, don't matter. Just don't ask me how I know. Just is it true? Like this, this and this is that true? Like the details. And uh, he starts breaking down and he starts crying and crying and like my heart, like I'm on I feel it right now too, like if it happened again. And I'm like, why couldn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Like, dude, we didn't use condoms and stuff. And he's like, um, I can feel my heart pounding. Ugh. And he's like, I'm sorry. And he's crying. He's crying. Just, I just, like, I just wanted you to love me and this and that. Like, I wanted you to love me and just. Um, like, I wanted you to love me like just don't don't leave me and this and that and and as and I, that was one of the biggest ways that I found and learned compassion and I thought like what I want someone to leave me if this happened to me but then again it didn't outweigh the fact that I was lied to and put in danger my life was put in danger my life was put in danger and just like and, and that was still on the stove like it was still burning and simmering that idea that this guy put me in danger um, so right away I went to go get tested. Um, I told him that I forgive him and everything, and uh, I went to go get tested, and it's fine. You know, totally cool. Nothing came out. It was one of those rapid type tests. Then I went again a few months later. Fine, nothing came out. And then, um, and I figured I was in the clear. And just like things with him, just like Jesus, I guess because things were built on that that lie of a foundation that that was such a big thing, a pillar of trust. I just, it just, the relationship was still just damaged from that. And no matter times that I talked about it or that he wouldn't leave me alone to process it. Like he just was on top of stuff, on top of stuff until I just finally had to leave him. And then he went nuts. I was able to get my own apartment. I got a little doggy at Buddy for like 14 years. And, um, well, I got Buddy with him and something like that, but I was able to take him with me. And, uh, yeah. And I kept on getting tested and everything came back negative and, I was getting fine, and uh, <laughs> there was this one day that um, I let Buddy stay with him, and um, 
he comes and he's like, you need to come get Buddy or or else I'm taking him back to the pound. I'm like, all right, I'll go with you. So I go get in the car with them and he's like driving around the curb and he's, I'm like, where are you taking me? Like we drove past the house. He's like, no, 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 I need to show you something. I'm like, I'm like, where? Like, I'm going to take you here, which is like out in the desert in these like canyons. I just want to show you something. I just want to show you something. And I'm like, oh fuck. If I go with this dude, he's going to fucking kill me. Like, I felt like, I'm like, I, I'm in danger. I'm like, dude, if you do not stop this car right now, I will never talk to you again. Why won't you love me? Like, he like, goes nuts. Turns the car around all fast and the furious. And then he's like, just love me. And he starts, like, hitting himself in the face all crazy. And I'm like, wow. He's like, I can't drive. I can't drive. And so, like, I'm like, all right. So, um. I drive, I drop him off, and that was it. But, like, I told him, I got all the last stuff that I need. I'm like, don't contact me ever again. That was it. I'm good. Let's go. And, uh, and yeah, so that ended. And I had my own apartment, and I was just going off on my own, doing my own thing, working at both places. I hop in that new restaurant, and, um, you know, um, something just still, something just didn't feel right. And uh, I got, ended up getting, I ended up contracting uh, a different uh, STD. Because I was, you know, a little Pacino. Um, promiscuous, whatever you want to call it. And uh, while well, I went to go get that checked, um, I actually got a whole full blood panel checked. And um, they're like, all right, well, we'll give you a call in like a week and a half. If you don't get a call from us, you're fine. If you do, you know, you're going to have to come in and talk to us. And I'm like, okay. So, like, you know, they just felt cool about it. And, you know, nothing ever happens to the bright-eyed, bushy-eyed person. You know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed person. And so, um, you know, a week goes by, and then a few days go by, and I'm like, all right, I might be in the clear, because two weeks were coming up. And then, uh, boom, I get a phone call that afternoon telling me that I need to come in and talk to one of the doctors. And so, oh, man, I got, my heart started pounding, and so there I go, I go and I get, go to the doctors, and it wasn't even the doctor that I was seeing, because even the doctor that I saw there, I saw him other times, every time I needed to go to that clinic, um, and like, he was always my doctor, this time, it took forever for the doctor to come, and I was in a totally different room, in a different part of the, of the building, um, and I remember just sitting down thinking, like, oh man, what's gonna happen, and, uh, my homegirl Rosa knew that I was there getting the results, and, uh, a few weeks before that, I remember her telling me, she's like, I don't ever want you to call me with that information, right? I don't know why that we talked about that that one time. And, um, <clears throat> and so I'm waiting for the doctor to show up and I'm waiting for him to show up. And like, uh, he is, uh, taking forever. And finally he shows up and he's like, all right, Mr. Martinez, totally the guy that's not my doctor. And, uh, well, we got some good news and some bad news and then I look up and I'm able to see through the paper because of lights that shining above him I'm able to see through the paper and I see two lines and at the end of the two lines they both end with TIV and the first one says pause, uh, negative and the bottom one I could only see the TIV part of it because his fingers blocking it and um, and he's like you're uh, negative for syphilis and um, but I'm sorry sir but you're positive for HIV and when that happened there's this part in Saving Private Ryan where the bomb goes off next to Tom Hanks and um like it goes like like that sound shock sound like like you know 
like tone deaf kind of thing like that's what happened like and it was like that for like two minutes two or three minutes i couldn't hear nothing i could hear from the, the doctor right and um and next thing like, well, we're gonna send you down to the nurse and uh, have an appointment made for you so you can come back tomorrow and talk to somebody blah 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 blah, blah. I'm like, all right thank you and he's like uh you'll be okay you're in good hands da, 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 da. and so i remember getting out of there and um waiting for a friend of mine to come pick me up and i call rosa and she's like hey how'd it go I was like rosa and she's like hey I'm like rosa and like she's like no and i'm like yeah She's like, no, and then she starts, like, you know, getting her way, and then I got my way, and, yeah, so she came right over, and it was just, like, fuck. It was such a crazy night. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, I totally felt numb for the whole day and the next few days. Um, but uh, the next day when I had that meeting with the nurse, um, I was all sad and depressed, and she looks at me, and she's like, mijo, why are you all sad? Mijo means kid. She's like, mijo, why are you all sad? And um, I was like, well, I just found out that I was HIV positive, that I'm HIV positive. And she's like, oh, don't think of it that way. She's like, it's okay. She's like, hey, at least you're not diabetic. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, at least you're not diabetic, because one snicker and you're gone. And I just like... I cracked like that was the first smile or laugh that I had like in 24 hours and it was just like it, it broke me out of that right and so it might have been a bad joke but it, it like broke me out of that um and that just um it did, that just started to lead on to the next round of miracles that were about to happen for me um the new restaurant that I was working at uh I had to set up all these doctor's appointments and one day I had heard the owner of the restaurant talking to one of the cooks about appointments and doctor's appointments and numbers and statuses and stuff like that. And it took me a little bit to realize that they were talking about HIV. And um, and I knew that with all the appointments that I had coming up and what might happen to me, um, I needed to let like the boss know. Um, and so I did. And I, oh, man, that connected us so much. This man, like, he is something that I can't, that I needed. He's, like, the gay father that I needed at that time. Because when I told him, he embraced me and he hugged me and he told me that it was going to be okay. And from that point on, he just started to teach me, like, his philosophy. Because he was also HIV positive. is, And he just started to teach me, like, his philosophy on it and his thoughts on it that, that, you know, it, it, it allows you to take your life more seriously, that it allows you to show you that the time that you have and that what you spend it to is your responsibility. And anybody that comes in your life, um, it's not their responsibility. It's yours to always manage the type of people that are in your life and what you're trying to save yourself from. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so... And he was also the biggest inspiration other than my mom and uh, into my cooking of why I cook so well. Uh, <clears throat> so that just went on. Like it, it, it helped me. It helped me take it and embrace it. It helped me really put it, use it as a shield to keep the people that weren't meant to be around me away and bring in the people that were meant to be with me closer. Um, so 
so yeah so that's like the, the and then so i kept that secret to myself it was only me and rosa and a few other people um eventually that led up to me you know achieving my goal of moving to san diego with that one guy um that one client of mine and um i started my life in san diego and i ended up moving from his place to a different place and to university park which was like oh my god the gay guys like dream of living in like the one of the like closest places to downtown and walking this it was awesome it was so great living down there and you know before i continue into the san diego story i want to jump back to that saving private and riot moment and um because one of the first thoughts that i thought outside of getting out of that shell shock shell shock moment one of the first thoughts I had was like, who's going to love me? That was the, that was the first thought, like, who's going to love me like this? And I felt empty and I felt worthless and I felt not worthy because I was tainted and I had a mark and it will always be there and I will, I will always have to reveal it. And that's something that I can't hide. If I truly care about somebody else, it's something that I wouldn't be able to hide from somebody else. And uh, it was a part of my character and my identity now. And I couldn't hide it anymore. Just as much as being gay, man, was a part of my identity and I couldn't hide it from my parents. This was part of the second coming out that I call when you have to reveal that you're HIV positive to somebody. And um, that, was, that was tough to know that I'm going to have to constantly add that to my coming out story to people that randomly that it might matter to and to randomly it might not um but I remember that was one of the first initial thoughts was who's gonna love me and just feeling empty and worthless from that um and so yeah so continuing on and like going and achieving my goals San Diego living there my best friend Gabe um at the time moved out there God rest his soul um because he wanted because I was his best friend and he wanted to be with me so I got him into the place that I was living at and like one night I remember being out with him and we were out at this bar called the Brass Rail and like we were just out and like I was up on these steps and I was just like looking out into the crowd and everything like that and I just remember like locking eyes with somebody and then it was just like I smiled and like they smiled and I raised my eyebrows and they raised their eyebrows and then We like started walking towards each other and then we got to each other and just like hey and we're like hey do you want to dance and like yeah let's dance and so we made our way to the dance floor and like i looked behind me and he was gone and then i was like where do you go and then i turned around the other way and he's like oh i'm right here and so we went and we danced for a while and so long story short we ended up taking him home i ended up taking him home <clears throat> and uh and he's probably watching this. We'll probably watch this later. We're still, we still talk as friends and stuff. Um, but uh, I remember taking him home and we we're about to like get into it. And uh, man, this is bringing up so much. So that was in February. All right. So that was in February. The reason why there's this part, there's, there's this context. Um, I was dating somebody in the, the December of that feb before that february and um 
everything was really cool with this dude everything was great i was leaving out one major detail that i was positive and everything was great we, like he was introducing me to people i was getting known in, with other people in san diego it was really great he was really somebody that was known as somebody there and awesome and um me and him are still friends too we still talk to this day um but one night we ended up um coming over a few days before christmas and he ended up coming over and was going to spend the night and you know kind of got a little going on and later that night i was like hey i have to tell you something and he's like yeah you could tell me anything what's going on like on, like and i looked really like worried he's like i don't like what's wrong like you could tell me tell me what's going on so i tell him and um he kind of like goes inward and you could tell he's in his brain like trying to figure it out like why would i not tell him and stuff and and i told him like i was afraid like you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be with me and you know like i'm sorry and just like well you, we did this you're gonna be fine like you didn't you, you didn't expose yourself in a bad way like like and i'm this way like once you become like undetectable you can't transmit it to other people um and i'm, I'm on my meds and i'm fine like you i can't give it to other people and you know that's when that information started to come out and uh, he just flipped out and so i'm like let's just go to bed let's just go to bed so we went to bed and i remember like turning over and feeling for him and he was I, there was nobody there i remember waking up in the middle of the night and feeling like that abandonment feeling right abandonment the abandonment's gonna play a role in this um that abandonment feeling and uh And just and I get up and I go look around the house and he's gone and I go and I check the door and the bottom lock is locked and I look outside and the gate is open and you know he's gone and I was just like and I text him I was like hey like are you okay and just like nothing 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 and totally like just yeah that was like the word like other than being told about it like I was like when I was diagnosed with it like being left because of that oh my god dude and I know I had my part in it I know I should have told him I know that was warranted that feeling was warranted in the return of not telling somebody and so um I knew what that was oh my light went out and so uh and so yeah so And so, uh, yeah. Um, and from there, it was just, uh, it was, yeah. And so, like, anyways, Christmas happened and whatnot. And just, uh, it was, I need to put this in real quick, guys. There we go. And so, like, Christmas happened and just all that stuff. And then, so, anyways, back to, like, the February story. I met this guy. Take him home. All this whatnot, right? And here I am ready to open myself up to somebody because we're connecting and stuff. We danced and, like, he's just totally, like, into me and I'm totally into him. And it's fucking great. And so, we're about to get into it. And I realized that I need to tell him about this. I need to tell him that I'm positive before anything happens because I don't want what happened last time to happen this time. And so as he's like, on, like I'm not trying to be graphic. This is why it's you know get your earphones. So he's on top of me and he's like we're making out and like I stop him and I'm like I need to tell you something. He's like yeah and I'm like I'm looking at me like 
I'm HIV positive, and I'm just like, oh, like I felt the pressure on my chest. Like I'm HIV positive, and I felt the pressure on my chest, waiting for the response. And then he looks at me and he smiles, and he kisses me, and he goes, so am I. And then that pressure on my chest just like explodes, like the confetti everywhere, and just like it was nuts that episode I will, I'll keep it that's gonna that's gonna end it with that part and it was great and I had that was one of, and I could say and mark that relationship as one of the best relationships I've ever had it ended tragically <laughs> in a way that of how we broke up um, but um, that year that we were together it was the best relationship in terms of open communication that I've had with somebody and it was amazing. We went to the doctor together. We did everything with each other, and it was awesome. And there were times where my best friend at the time, Gabe, he was like, "How do you do that?" I'm like, "What do you mean? Like, how you, dude? You got home at five o'clock. We're at dinner at seven thirty, and you guys have not shut up. You guys even took a shower together and continued talking in the shower. And so, like, I'm like, how do you guys not not find things to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. We just we just talk about stuff." And so for me, that that always put a pinpoint on what I look for in a relationship, in any relationship, the, the, whether it be romantic or, or friendship. It's like the ability to have conversation and deep, intimate conversation. Um, oops. Um, <clears throat> and so going on in San Diego, um, in there and I get a few job offers and I get my big job downtown at one of the big up-and-coming restaurants and I learn how to make Turkish food like I learned better Middle Eastern cuisine from these like three little Turkish women that teach me how to make bread and pasta and samsa and all their like hidden dishes and stuff that they don't teach nobody um, they treated me like one of their daughters um, so during that time me and that guy broke up and um, let's just call him Jerry uh, me and Jerry broke up, and um, it was hard. I felt like I lost my best friend. Um, it was on the it was on the day that we met. It was our one year anniversary, where he decided to break up with me, and that was bad. It was like I got hurt. I got really hurt. I was depressed. I remember calling Rosa on the phone and telling her how Jerry broke up with me. And I remember screaming on the phone to her, he left me, Rosa, he left me, he left me, what am I supposed to do? Like, like, I, oh my God, I can hear it in my head right now, just like screaming it to her. But I'm alive and I made it. I made it through that night and I made it through the next night and I put myself through like, another year of torture trying to rekindle whatever I had with him I just I couldn't let him go like yeah I did my own thing and stuff like that and um, <laughs> thanks bro. <laughs> thanks Everardo. Um and like uh, you know like so that ended and it took a while and you know just um, we're friends now and stuff like that like he got married and everything and I'm happy for him uh, so, but being in San Diego after, I only stayed in San Diego for like three years, um, because I needed to come back home. My heart was broken and my family could see it. My brothers had a talk with me one day and they're like, dude, we know you need to come back home. Why don't you just pack your, we're all here. My family was there on vacation and like, we're all here. We'll put all your shit in all our cars, pack it all up and just come home in one moment, in 
one sweep. And it made sense. And my mom, like, really, I miss my mom a lot. I knew I needed to be around my mom. Uh, so, yeah, so I came back. And I always count, like, coming back as a turning point or as a timetable of discovering who I am and stuff like that. So I ended up coming back to the valley. And after a month of being here, I knew that I needed to get a job and pay for my things. And so I went back to my old restaurant where I was at and uh, I went to visit and I left with a job and I got my old job back and everything was all gravy. And you know, I partied out, I lost weight, I got fit. I was like awesome. I was living my life, my, my 25 to like 30 era of life like was really like about me and doing me and discovering who I am like like oh it was great like so much happened I'll probably like missed a lot in there but like there was a lot of relationships and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of like discovering who I am and a lot of like hard work where I killed myself developing my cooking skills and who I am in those five years and next thing that came up that was a big turning point was um a friend of mine, uh, I just got my car for the first time, too. I worked my way up to that, and uh, that was a big accomplishment. I thought I was, I thought I was never gonna drive again from the car accidents that I had. There was three more other car accidents that I didn't say about, but um, those aren't as relevant. But uh, like from the car, I thought I was never gonna drive because I was so traumatized from it. But I'm getting a car, and uh, when I was 30 or 29, 30, uh, I started to get more into like healthy nutrition uh, because of the work that I was doing at the vegetarian and vegan restaurant. And a friend of mine noticed and she had went to this online uh, health coaching school. It was called International Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. And then it used to come up like randomly sometimes. And finally for Thanksgiving as a Black Friday sale came up like so much off if you needed to act now. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And I do, yeah, I'll do it when I get home. Totally forgot about it. Whole weekend passed. Cyber Monday comes up. Now it was like 75% of what I was off, whatever. I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'll do it now. So I did it. And then I get it. And that changed my life into like realizing that I could make something out of this. Hold on, guys. One second. I'm going to change my battery on my camera. I'm still on. Don't leave. Don't leave. There we go. Bam. All right. So, um... <clears throat> So like this health coaching school and stuff like that, right? And uh, and it like totally changed my life and the thing that I could teach people how to cook nutritiously and show them how to do this and help people show them what food is doing to them and change their lives. And just like, at that same time, I'm like, cool, I have all this great job, I have money, I have a car. Oh, I'm gonna start dating this guy. The guy that left me in the middle of the night in San Diego when I told him I was HIV positive, that guy came out of nowhere, back out of the picture, and we squashed a lot of things, and we got reacquainted, and we were together for almost a year and a half as I was going through my health coaching school and health coaching business school, and started to get clients and stuff while I was working, and just um, 
things just started not to work out because I felt like I was being pulled in two different directions, wanting to be a coach and develop a business and him wanting me to pay more attention to our relationship, which I thought and felt I was. Um, and then just we just had to end it because I wanted to have my business more. Um, and then there I go, back out being me, being a coach. I got into essential oils, doTERRA, conventions, just like flew to New York for the health coaching school and all that. Just um, I got really immersed in wanting to be a coach and helping people. And then I remember in one of the lectures of health coaching school from the from the teacher, he's like, this is just a doorway. This is going to open up uh, an avenue of totally different pathways of ways and modalities that coaching could be taken into and I was thinking like wow like how do I wait till that happens because yes there's health coaching and nutrition and the way that we eat but there's also the emotions and triggers connected to why we eat that way and then what are those emotions and triggers to to emotional traumas and people and situations and that led me to what I talk about now to knowing that there's more into life that there is which is the spiritual purpose of relationships. And I talk about that now, but I'm not trying to jump ahead to that yet. So, you know, I started developing that and I started working at the same time and I'm trying to balance both at the same time. And then I know I realize I have to put more into work. Um, and as I'm doing that and I'm, we open another restaurant and things are going well, I meet this new person. I meet this new person named Ray and, uh, I met him at the ending of a relationship that I was already in, and uh, Ray was really cool. Um, I remember he gifted. He worked at the coffee shop across the way from me, and so Ray, uh, you know, was, would come and be all cute, and I just we decided to go out and meet one time, and we hit it off really good, and it was really cool. He was really handsome and charming, and really nice, and we ended up getting together. And about a month or two after that. Uh, I ended up losing my job at the restaurant because I got really attitude and cocky and thinking, that, oh, well, you can't run this place without me kind of thing. And, um, and yeah, and just thinking that I'll rely on being a coach, you know, really develop that. And this guy, Ray, was really, you know, supportive. But then when I wasn't taking action and the things that I said I was going to take action in, it was hard for him to be supportive, which was real, you know. Um, he was also a Gemini and me being a Libra and that was started on the whole council culture of Gemini's to Libra's for me I'll get into that later um, and so so it was great and um, things started going downhill since I lost my job and he was sober um, he didn't do anything uh, and he had his own issue with addiction and stuff like that so that's why he was sober and in the program and one day he suggested to me, like, hey, do you want to go to a meeting? And you guys, um, you know, know that, you know, that I have, like, the standing thing with sobriety and stuff. And that's how it started. And I was like, oh, not this time. And then a few days later, he asked me again if I wanted to go. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go with you this time. And then that's how I found sobriety. And I went and I found my place there. And, and yeah, and it's been good. Um, about a year into it, a few days we had broken up about a month or two after he realized that we were uh, a little too, I was a little bit too damaged for him, I guess. And he had no problem telling me that. Um, but uh, instead of going into my routine of like, all right, well, you don't want to be with each other. I'll stop talking to you. I'll stop being around you. You don't need to see me. Da -da 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 -da. 
you know my sponsor at the time my sponsor just was like no don't do that you're you know internalizing it and you know you need you need to be expressed so i tried this whole friendship thing with him which totally shouldn't have been what i did um because it just turned into this three years of plug that just totally messed me up and put me at a stall of everything that i was doing in my life and put me in through this bout of depression and emotional eating and totally forgot everything that i learned about nutrition and health and um yeah that was um that was really tough and it was three years of that and on and off and just like uh, about a year into me being sober uh he had an episode where he had relapsed and it just totally took anything away from me and then it was just like the next year was just like the repeating revolving door episode of that and then it went into almost another year so i finally had to cut ties in my own way and just things were just built up and happening and all in all in the long part part of it all was like i kept going on with this thing of trying to solve this question of who's gonna love me and i try to fit every person that i was with into that box of who's gonna love me are you 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 gonna Here's how you're going to love me. Here's how you need to love me. Here's how you need to love me. And that's frustrating. That's when I didn't realize what I was doing. Um, so anyways, uh, all in all, like I took my stand and I told this, told Ray that, you know, we can't be together no more. We can't talk no more. I don't want to be, I need to take my stance from you. Um, a few months passed by and all that happened and then we run into each other again. And I just realized things changed that I was still holding on to him and I was still holding on to those things and I was still holding on to all the hopes of us being together. And I realized that that wasn't gonna happen and it just allowed me to let go of it. Um, I had a few run-ins with a few other Geminis. Uh, the most recent one that I was with, uh, oh, wow, well, we're already at an hour. <laughs> the most recent one that I was with um, is what actually started this whole catapult into doing all my lives again and doing coffee with Adam again. Um, I started talking about being vulnerable and in the arena, I started dating this dude named, um, what's his name? let's change his name to Jason. <laughs> uh, so I started dating this dude named Jason. He was also a Gemini and we clicked and everything was great. Conversation was amazing. We could be open. I could, I felt like because I let go of Ray so hard and knew that I cut that tethered, I felt like free and open and I could finally be me and I stopped emotionally eating and that depression was gone and like like Adam was waking up again right Adam was alive and like especially that this dude Jason was coming around and 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 putting myself in that arena with him of being open and vulnerable with somebody finally and wasn't afraid to accept what I was saying and wasn't afraid to tell me his things and stuff like that and then little by little, you know, the truth came out about that, that that dude was a two-timing person. But it also showed me that everything that I had went through with Ray, you know, was preparing me to let like, just go of people that weren't even ready, that amounted to that. Like, so letting go of Jason was just like, dude, you're small fries compared to what I've been through the last fucking three years. Um, but also, it's what kickstarted the momentum into 
providing all this like content that I'm putting out now of the arena of vulnerability relationships like I realized what those purposes of those relationships were and so because this momentum kick-started all this stuff it started to put me in front of the right people and audiences and my friend Christina started taking notice that I'm doing more and more and see so she got me connected with a group of people that were doing this challenge called a fear to fuck it challenge and she's like I believe in you I believe in this program I think with everything that you're doing and the momentum that you have right now it will totally help you and so I'm like okay so I go on to it and I'm getting triggered by all these people sharing this vulnerability stories of themselves and and but also finally I, I spend some time with them on one of a zoom call and I get to know them and I just realize like, like these are my people these are the people that I want to be around right and um and because I'm getting involved with them I get challenged by the group leader Jamie uh to go live and tell my story I did a version a 10 minute version of my story in the group that we were in and uh nothing compared to this but one thing that i pulled out of that 10 minute thing was to share my story and when i got to the part of sharing my story about hiv it um it really hit me when i said that that moment of when i asked who's gonna love me when i found out it really hit me at that moment sharing that in the group at that moment that the whole time i knew the answer the whole time I was doing it, that whole time from when I asked that question of who's going to love me till now, the answer was me. The man, the man, yeah, the answer was me. Like, I'm going to love me. I'm going to love me the right way. I'm going to carve out my own way. I'm going to carve out my own path, my sacred flow, and I'm going to provide for it. And I'm going to do it my way. Like, I'm going to love me. And that like got me so much in my chest. Like I felt that pressure on my chest and just released that. I hit it. I answered the question. And as cliche as cliche as it might have sounded, that's what echoed loudly in my head about it. Who's gonna when I when I was sharing that? But who's gonna love me? It was just like you are. You're gonna love you. Me. And. Um, it was just a profound feeling and like uh, like I got like you know of course like all teary-eyed and everything like that um, <laughs> but it was amazing it was a great a great powerful and moving moment um, and yeah and so that was <laughs> probably like two or three weeks ago and that's pretty much the story up until now that's pretty much my story of what I'm doing and now I'm talking about what I love to talk about. I love to talk about the spiritual purpose of relationships. Right now I hope my story helped any of you guys share yours with other people that are around you. Um, you know, I want you guys to share your story. Like you guys want to send me a message with your story? I love to read about it. You know, like this is going to end up being on the podcast and stuff cuz this was good. Um, I think I felt like I said everything that was needed to say if anything that I left out or people it was just probably because it didn't make the impact into the story of how i wanted to be done at the time um when i write my book there'll probably be more details <laughs> but um but yeah this is just uh this is my story and thank you for letting me share it with you guys um 
the 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 facets of this story you know there's so many of them and i hope that you could take the ones that matter to you and apply it and use what you heard from me and use it in your own story to tell somebody else like you know facets of hope and inspiration that they could get through it that they could do something and that this vulnerability that i'm sharing with you guys can actually provide strength for you guys to do the same that this light that i'm shining and shining in front of you guys you know you know shows you that you could do the same that you could shine brighter that you could shine the same way so yeah i think i'm gonna end it with that guys so again thank you guys for letting me share thank you guys for being here thank you for those that were watching for the whole hour um this was great um i hope this helps you guys get to know me a little bit more and what i'm doing and why i do it uh stay tuned for more coffees with adam uh, monsters with Adam, you know, Adam's Oracle Lives that are coming out. Uh, just a lot of stuff's coming out. Like uh, my own one on one coaching program is being developed right now. Um, yeah, and coaching about what you say <laughs> about relationships and understanding them and getting to know them and how to work on you to better work on them, on those relationships with other people. Uh, just because that matters. And going into this new year, with COVID and everything going on and the whole separation of being not being able to not being able to be around people, the development of the depth of the relationship is what's going to matter most to get, you know, along with everybody. So it's not, you know, we're all in the idea of how many followers and how many friends that we have, how many. But, you know, how deep is it though? All right. I'll see you guys later. You guys have a beautiful, bright, and shiny evening. And yeah, toodles, poodles. Again, you guys share this with anybody that you might think it might help. Tag them. Let me know what you think in the comments. I would love to read all your stuff. Okay? You guys have a great day. And toodles, poodles.